I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined, as always, by Paul Zeiss for our weekly Zeiss is Right show here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. We're going to be getting into some uh, Steelers quarterback talk, some more smoke uh, around the Justin Fields, um, possible fire, possible nothing. Um, a little uh, mock draft had Bo Nix going to the Steelers, so we're going to have um, a lot of reaction to that conversation. Paul, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing uh, today, Adam? Hopefully everything is good on your end. Pitchers and catchers reported, Paul, so it's It's starting to feel a little like spring. We're going to have a fish fry on Friday at your uh, a church near you or fire hall near you. So uh, I'm excited to get some uh, deeply unhealthy meals on Friday starting starting this week. And you're also probably – uh, going to have to start giving something up today. Uh, so uh, whatever it is that you don't that you like, if you uh, are really really into the Lent thing, um, is there something you're going to be giving up? Are you going to not drink for the next six weeks, or what's what is what uh, what what do you do for Lent? Yeah, I I haven't really decided on the uh, the Lenten the Lenten give up yet. Probably <laughs> probably always drinking a little bit less, Paul. So we'll uh, we'll we'll start with that. Um, Paul, before we get into the Justin Fields talk, just want to thank our primary sponsor for this episode and every episode of the uh, Zeiss is Right video here on the post Sports Now YouTube channel, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560. To get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, all right, Paul, the uh, the smoke just keeps growing with this Justin Fields thing. On on one hand, uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN said the Steelers are big fans. Mike Tomlin is a big fan of Justin Fields from you know when he was going through the draft process. PFF's Brad Spielberger kind of co-signed to that, um, which would be one thing if that's all we had. But then DraftKings came out with um, betting odds for where the 2024 team for Justin Fields, the Steelers are by far the number one favorite at minus 125. Bears are second, so they expect maybe he might stay put, maybe back up whoever they pick at number one in the draft at plus 200. And then everyone else, Paul, Atlanta, New England, Denver, is at plus 600 or higher. I think Denver was like plus 1,200. Um, and that's a real betting market. That's not just one of those weird offshore – things where you know they they put out odds to try to get people you know unregulated because we'll get all those emails right from like that bet bet online 
um, type of stuff. And, and that's offshore, and sometimes it can be a little shady. This is DraftKings. This is legal. This is sanctioned. They're offering that market. Um, so you have that on one hand. On the other, you have Jerry Dulac in his chat repeatedly batting down this rumor, um, saying he doesn't think the Steelers are in the mix for a QB1 um, at all, let alone being Justin Fields. So so what's your, your read compared to when we led our video last week um, with this conversation on, on Justin Fields as a possible member of the Steelers? Um, I, I actually – I kind of, I kind of have to go with our guy Jerry here. I mean, to me, it kind of feels like. Do you remember at the at the end of the year there was all the speculation about Mike Tomlin? Maybe, maybe he's going to retire, and then there, Jay Glazer said a few things, and then a couple other national guys said a few things, and and then turned out, you know, he basically said, "No, that's not true. I'm not going to retire." Um, this kind of feels like that. There's a lot more smoke than there seems to be fire. Uh, just because if you if you if you think about it, the head coach basically made it pretty clear he wants Kenny Pickett or he's going to give Kenny Pickett every opportunity to win uh, to win the job. The owner made it pretty clear that, that that they're likely going to give Kenny Pickett every chance to win the job. Uh, they don't necessarily usually go and do things like uh, make a big trade for a quarterback that's going to be a starter type guy. Um, I just think that it's probably, and then, and, 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 and also I think they don't want to give up draft capital. I just feel like this is one of those things that probably is a lot more interesting to talk about than actually real in terms of it's, is it going to happen? So uh, if you're asking me to, to, to handicap it, uh, I might say it's like a 10 to 15% chance at the tops that this happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of my read as well, Paul. Um, do you think this is just a case of of national types? Because I feel like sometimes national, you know, these national pundits just kind of look at a team and they say, well, Kenny Pickett's not the guy, so they might as well be looking for the next quarterback because that's often how the rest of the league operates. Whereas, you know, I think guys like you guys, like me, um, certainly Jerry, have a more conservative view, a little bit more plugged-in view of the team itself. Do, do you think this is just a matter of, um, you know, national pundits looking at, at Kenny Pickett and saying he's not the guy. Why wouldn't the Steelers want a, another quarterback or another guy yeah. who could be a long-term starter? Yeah, I think that's what it is. A absolutely. You know, I think it's more just sort of a, this thing you do in the off season where you try and piece things together um, and you try and piece a little bit of information here and turn it into a lot of information uh, because everybody needs content for the next, what, three months until the draft. So this is what you get. But again, I think it's a lot more interesting. It's, it's probably a lot more uh, interesting to talk about than it is actually realistic in terms of it's going to happen. Do you think this would be, I mean, if they did it, this would be one of the most aggressive moves I think in Steelers history, wouldn't it be? I mean, how many times have they ever gone out and done something like this? They've traded up in the draft a little bit. Um, you know, they've made some splashy free agent signings at times, but they've never been that team ever. To, to be like, yeah, we're going to go out and we're going to aggressively go after a QB1. It, it just does not seem to fit the profile of what they have ever done in the past. No, I mean, the closest thing might be the Jerome Bettis, you know, trading for Jerome Bettis on draft day. That might be the closest thing where you went out and you got a guy that, you know, clearly was going to be your, your starting running back and be a guy that you were going to build your team around. Um, but I, I, I think 
and, and that is another thing that lends me to pause and say, I just don't think this is actually going to happen. Like, I don't think this is something that is, you know, it might be discussed. Obviously, if they're doing their due diligence, they're talking about a lot of different possibilities. I just don't feel like this is going to be something that they're going to really uh, continue to pursue. Is there a price, Paul, where it, it might make sense to you, uh, where, you know, if the Bears lower the threshold, if these other teams really aren't in the mix the way, you know, the betting markets seem to think they're not, um, you know, if you could get Justin Fields for a third, would you do it? If you could get Justin Fields for a fourth, would you do it? What is your view of, of you know, what the price would have to be for the Steelers to maybe go from where you and I are, which is it seems like the price would be too high. It seems like this would be something aggressive too. This is something you seriously have to discuss. Well, if they dropped it to a third, then it almost becomes a no-brainer, really. But by the same token, you have to consider – um, are you going to give him like a bridge contract or, you know, four or five year deal? Or are you basically going to say, we're going to gamble. We're going to bring him here. We're going to do the fifth year option. So we'll have him for two seasons. And at the end of the two seasons, if he's good enough, then we'll, we'll end up having to pay him the 50 million bucks, but, or whatever, 40, $50 million a year. Uh, but in the meantime, you basically are marrying yourself to him for two years. What if he stinks? And then what? And so I feel like it's it's a thing of where, you know, a third rounder, you probably would then at that point really have to consider it. But the other part of it that nobody seems to want to ask is, do the Steelers legitimately like his skill set and think he's going to be a good player or can be a good player? I know that there's this report that Tomlin loves him, but I don't know what that means. And that's the other part of it that makes it really difficult for me is I think the Steelers see a guy that's like, well, He's a reclamation project. It's like some of these other guys. Why are we going to give up, you know, draft capital for him? Yeah, and I, I think that's been my primary mark against it in the first place, Paul, is is it doesn't cost you nothing. It costs you money. It costs you draft capital. And you already have a quarterback on the roster that, that you wanted to give a chance to. Um, and I don't think that you can make this move without basically making Justin Fields the incumbent in, in, in the first quarterback job. Um, and, and I think that that would be, you know, it does, it just doesn't seem what, like what they want to do. I will play a little bit of devil's advocate though, Paul, because someone pointed out in Jerry's chat on postgazette.com today that 17 of the last 21 Super Bowls have been won by hall of fame quarterbacks. Three of the remaining four came from West coast and kind of offspring type of offenses. Um, so let me ask the question this way. Who do you think has the better chance of being a hall of fame quarterback being the guy that's actually going to help you win at the highest levels, um, you know, kind of regardless of the politics and the contractual details involved. Do you like Justin Fields or Kenny Pickett better objectively? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, I think upside, Justin Fields has higher upside. I think he's more athletic. He's got a, better, a stronger arm. Doesn't have some of the uh, questions about his ability to grip the ball and all that other stuff. But, again, I think on the downside, his his floor is probably lower than, than Kenny Pickett's. You know, Kenny Pickett, to me, seems like he's a guy that's, that, that's your safe option. You know, you, you, you build a team around him. He's not going to do anything that's really going to be spectacular, but he's also probably going to give you a chance to win games because he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, he's going to protect the football. He, he's going to make just enough throws to, to move the, move the, move you down the field. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with the idea of Justin Fields, but I kind of get stuck on this. Why are the Bears giving up on him if he's this guy? You know what I mean? Well, I think the argument would be because they have the number one pick and they feel more confident about the guys that they have available to them. It's just that the Steelers don't have the same they don't the Steelers don't have the same guys available to them. And and I guess if I was making the devil's advocate argument, and I agree with you, I think, in the big picture, Paul, but um, and I think this is where the the these national guys kind of look this is how they look at the situation is if you're serious about winning Super Bowls. You can't you can't win a, a a Super Bowl with the safe quarterback, right? And and I think th- they look at it as you've got to go big until you get the guy who has a, the potential to be a Hall of Fame or at least Hall of Very Good type of guy. And I just I don't see that with Kenny Pickett. And and so I guess I can see the national perspective of why aren't the Steelers doing everything, moving heaven and earth to try to get a guy who could actually win a ring and not just get them to the playoffs and, and maybe get them to an AFC championship game if you're lucky. Right. That's what I mean. There's there's the upside there. But to me, I feel like there might be a little bit too much stock placed in the upside just because he's a pretty good athlete. Because at the end of the day, we've seen how quickly those those athlete quarterbacks like that, you know what, if they lose a half a step, all of a sudden they lose their best asset. And now what do you have? A guy who's a relatively mediocre passer who no longer cannot run everybody on the field. Paul, one other uh, Steelers quarterback-related note. Field Yates of ESPN, one of the uh, the more prominent mock drafters in the industry, had the Steelers going with Bo Nix in round one. Um, what do you think of, of drafting a guy like Bo Nix in the first round? I will I will lead and I will say I think it's dumb. Um, I think a, a guy like Bo Nix, if you get him in round two, round three, okay, and then I can listen to that as a guy who you can put behind Kenny Pickett who is not doesn't have a ton of expectations heaped upon him that if Kenny Pickett struggles, people might like to see Bo Nix, but um, kind of in that Mason Rudolph category, you know, if he gets drafted in that range, if you get this guy in the first round, Paul, um, people are going to look at him as the future starter. And I have a problem with viewing Bo Nix as the future starter of the Steelers, just because he lost every big game he played in Paul in college. I just, I just don't see it with the guy. Well, I mean, Bo Nix to me, I wouldn't pick him in the first or the second round. Yeah, I agree. Because because I think he's, I think his upside or whatever we want to call it is maybe a, a reasonably decent option as a backup someday. I think that's where his ceiling is. So to me, 
I would not draft my Bo Nix at all. But especially, if you're telling me especially, uh, I would definitely not do it in the first round. If they use their first-round pick on Bo Nix, that'll be the biggest mistake they've made in the first round since somebody like Artie Burns. I mean, I just, I, I don't like, I think he's, you know, he's a guy who's old, first of all. Let's, let's start there. Uh, he's already old. Secondly, he played in a really, really quarterback-friendly sort of vanilla offense where he wasn't asked to do a whole lot other than just make the simple throws that the scheme allows for. Um, I, I've never, ever, ever been a huge fan of him. I mean, he's good enough to be a good college quarterback. I think if they drafted Bo Nix in the first round, it would be absolutely stupid. So if you want my opinion, if you want to if you want to do something really stupid, you'll draft Bo Nix in the first round. Yeah, it's like I said, if you want to pick pick a guy who could maybe push Kenny Pickett a little bit, maybe be a third, maybe take that Mason Rudolph place on this depth chart, sure. Anything more than that, uh, I don't see it with him. If another team does, I say let them make that mistake. Paul, I want to get into some – we actually have some – Fair amount of Pirates news that we haven't gotten to on the channel yet this week to talk about. Before we do, just want to thank another sponsor, Pitt Johnstown. It's a Pitt quality education with up-close and personal learning. Top-ranked Northeast Public College by U.S. News & World Report. Generous scholarships and financial aid are available. Located on 655 picturesque acres with easy access to the city center and shopping and dining. A vibrant campus life with an active T2 athlete community. Uh, Check out Pitt Johnstown today. Paul, um, first let me get your reaction to Yasmani Grandal. The Pirates signed him at catcher. You and I talked last week about Gary Sanchez, and I think immediately uh, the, the he was signed by the Brewers. Pirates end up getting Yasmani Grandal. Put up some pretty solid numbers um, in the last handful of years, but has really kind of gone off the cliff recently. <laughs> um, what's your reaction to adding him to the mix with Henry Davis um, and, and Jason DeLay? They needed a veteran guy who could solidify that spot a little bit. I said, what was it, four or five years ago, they should have signed him. You know, when the, I think the Brewers signed him, uh, maybe in 19 or 18 or something like that. So he's over the hill. I don't think he's going to do anything spectacular for them, but he does solidify a position of need. I think that he can be reasonably um, a consistent, reasonably okay option back there um, while they try and figure out what they have in Henry Davis. So, I mean, these are the kind of deals you have to make. You have to sign some of these guys like that uh, when you're trying to backfill certain positions and you don't want to spend a ton of money on it. You end up with, uh, you know, Yasmani Grandel, who probably is three years past, you know, his prime or four years past his prime, but he's probably still functional enough that he can be, Actually, an upgrade over Henry Davis, which should scare you the hell about, uh, should really scare the hell out of you about Henry Davis. Yeah, I'm getting big Rod Barajas vibes, Paul. I don't know if you remember him, but he was like oh, the guy before Russell Martin, and he was uh, he was fine. But you know, that team still stunk, and it wasn't you know by the end of the season, he wasn't he, really. He's a, he's he, a guy you should have ever played for the Pirates. He was the slowest man on on the planet. That's the one thing I remember about Rod Barajas. You know, he you could hit the ball to the wall, and him getting from second to third could have been that 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 would have been questionable. That's how slow that guy was. Yeah, I mean that's it's a feeling I'm getting from him. He might do. So. I remember Rod Barajas hit it like an April walk off home run. I was there for that, and that that was about it. Um, so that- <laughs> 
that's basically my expectations for Yasmani Grandal. Um, let's, let's go down the list, though, here, Paul. Josh Fleming, right before we got on here to record, uh, they signed him. That is, that is an official move. He had a 488 ERA over four seasons uh, last with Tampa. Um, and he had, actually has a really nice strikeout to walk ratio. I think it was like 144 strikeouts to 68 walks. Um, just hasn't gotten a ton of opportunity. Is, is he just kind of the depth move that you were looking for them to make in free agency before, you know, setting up maybe a bigger, a bigger trade for a pitcher? I mean, again, he is what he is. He's going to give him a little bullpen help. Maybe every so often a spot start if they need it. Again, he's a backfilling the depth kind of guy, right? Um, I don't know that he's going to do much more than that, but listen, if he can eat up some innings in the bullpen, be a guy who reliably every so often can can make a start and get you, you know, three or four innings into your game. I think it's a it's a very low risk. It's it's a typical pirate move, isn't it? Low risk with you know maybe medium reward is what you would expect. And so I don't hate it. I don't love it. I think they have to make some moves like that, and and this is one of them, obviously. Domingo Herman was the big name, Paul, that uh, Jason's been talking about. Some other insiders in the last week have brought up that, that there's some fairly heavy smoke that the Pirates are giving him a, a long, hard look. Um, there's, there's been He's got some baggage. He comes with baggage. Um, are, you, are you interested in him as, as being, again, like I said, like a, a back rotation type guy adding to the depth, but understanding that you, you probably still want to make a trade for a bigger name? Again, if you're willing to take a shot at him, why aren't you willing to take a shot at Trevor Bauer? You know what I mean? These guys that have baggage, they have baggage. And because they have baggage, you can probably get them at a reduced rate. But to me, I mean, I look at it and say, here's the thing. If you have your starting rotation, you're going to have a fifth spot that probably is going to be, you know, rotated and bit, you know, bounced around or whatever. If he is one of those guys in the mix and he can give them somewhat competent starts from time to time, then I, I I'm all for it. I mean, I, you know, but, but I find it amazing how certain baggage were, were, you know, able to overlook and decide, okay, well, we can sign this guy, even though he's got baggage, but we don't want this baggage over here. I just don't, I don't get that. Yeah, well, and especially when you've already made the determination with a couple other guys. I think G1 Bay is on that list or Aldous Chapman's on that list. Um, do you have any concern, Paul, that that if you keep going down this road with the, the Pirates, this isn't just just isn't going to be a particularly rootable team? Uh well, I mean, it depends on how many guys, you know. Listen, if they win, they're gonna if they win, people will be root for them, right? If they, if these guys if Verona's Chapman comes in and he's lights out, you know, for the first month of the season, he just lights out. Nobody's going to be talking about how he hit Andrew McCutcheon and, you know, kind of the bad guy that he's been at times. Nobody's going to care. Um, it's all about can they perform? Can they win? Can they go out and do what, you know, what, what you think they can do? Um, I think, obviously, Chapman still has enough in the tank where he's going to be a guy that probably is going to figure really prominently in whatever it is you're doing. Most of these other guys we're going over and talking about, you know, they're just sort of, like I said, backfilling the depth. You know, trying to figure out the 40-man roster so you can then get down to, okay, who are the 25 or 26 or whatever it is that we have, you know, on our active roster. And if one of them gets hurt, who are the 12 to 14 guys we have waiting in the wings that we can sort of plug in? 
that's what you're looking at right now is probably players, say, 22 through 40 of your 40-man roster. Paul, I want to get into some pit hoops here. Uh, they go down to Virginia on Tuesday night, get a big win um, against the Cavaliers. Not only did they do that, I think they broke some like streak of like almost 50 games in a row where opponents didn't score over 70 points um, down there. Obviously, Tony Bennett loves to slow things down, loves to play some some solid defense, and, and you know, Pitt, to their credit, kind of dissected them a little bit um, and, and, and beats them soundly. I think they've now won, what, six out of seven to get back on the NCAA tournament bubble. Uh, but still a lot of work to do. I mean, we're still in mid-February here. You still got to play a good month of basketball, I think, Paul, to, to make it into the tournament. What do you forecast their odds at, at making the field at right now? I think Joe Lenardi still has them on the outside looking in. Yeah, he has them. I think uh, they all have them on not, not the next four out, but the whatever that group is after the next four out. So still some work to do. One of the things about Virginia – is that they play that pack line defense. And if you play pack line defense, the theory is you're going to sag, you're going to double in the post, you're going to protect the lane at all, at all costs. But if teams can move the ball, they're probably going to get wide open threes. The theory is they can't hit those threes at a high enough rate to beat you. Pitt hit 14 of them the other night. You know? So matchup-wise, the way that Pitt shot the ball the last three or four weeks, matchup-wise, it was great for Pitt. Um, but they still have some work to do. They don't have a ton of opportunities to get resume kind of wins. I know they play at Clemson, I think. They play maybe at Wake Forest, a couple games like that. But for the most part, the thing that, are, that is really hurting Pitt or holding Pitt back is the ACC. And, you know, the metrics don't like ACC. The, the, the humans don't like AC, the ACC. You know, when they put the ACC together, it was thought it was going to be an eight- or nine-bid league every single year. And this year, I mean, they're going to struggle to be a five-bid league. So, you know, that means that Pitt doesn't have a ton of opportunities like they normally would to get a bunch of wins that they're going to need to get them into the field. But I feel like if they go, if they, if they continue to win, you know, if they continue to win, they only lose maybe once or twice more. I think that, you know, they're going to get into the tournament. I just feel like there's no way they're only going to put three or four teams in the from the ACC. Did you see that ad, Paul, during the pit game that they it flashes like three of the last nine national championships and then a whole bunch of other, like, I think real mediocre stats pumping up the league? It's like they're really taking it personally in the uh, the league offices that, that the league is not particularly well regarded right now. Right, exactly. But that's the thing. They put the league together to be the best basketball league. And quite frankly, like we've talked about before, Pitt until last year really hadn't held up its end of the bargain. Syracuse really hasn't held up its end of the bargain. Notre Dame, Louisville, you know, they put together this this conference where it was like, we're going to dominate and be the best by far basketball conference. And, and it just hasn't happened. Yeah, I think the Big East has kind of, held station as, as a major power league. You know, I, I think when, when it was formed after all of that, that realignment, a lot of people were like, okay, they're going to call it the big East, but it's not going to be the big East. Um, I think a lot of people still see it as, as a major league. And I think that the ACC <coughs> is the primary, you know, conference that has suffered as the, as the big East has remained uh, a, a pretty solid league. Uh, I just cracked up when I saw that ad though, Paul, I'm like, listen, you gotta, you gotta put something better than this together. Right, to really like, right impress people um 
uh, wrap it up on on this, Paul. The Penguins lose two huge, costly games over the weekend. How much longer are you taking this team seriously as as a playoff contender? Well, here's the thing, Adam. I think five of their next six games are at home. Starting with Wednesday night. I think Wednesday night they play, don't they? I think there's a game uh, Wednesday night, which obviously we're taping Wednesday afternoon. But five of the next six games are at home. So I would say at the end of six games, if you're still seven or eight points behind and you still got two or three teams in between you and the playoffs, at that point, if you're Cal Dumas, it's time. You know, you, you, you basically went through a stretch of 12 games where you should get, you know, probably no less than, say, 10 points, 9, 10 points. If you don't do that and you get to a point where you're now, you know, a week and a half or two weeks away from or, you know, like a week and a half away from the trade deadline and, you you know, you haven't gained ground, then it's over. And at that point, you trade Jake Gensel at the very least because you're going to get assets back for him. That's not a, a move that you're making where you're completely tearing it down. It's a smart move. It's a guy you're probably not going to be able to save. Um, you know, you're probably not going to be able to retain. So you might as well use him for the assets that he'll bring. You know, maybe one or two other moves like that where you're able to get a couple of draft picks or prospects or whatever. Um, and, and then you start to try and reload a little bit for next year. So I don't think necessarily you have to get to a point where you're rebuilding completely and tearing it all down and everything, blowing it all up. But I think you need to make some smart moves to give yourself the best chance for next year you start to take a step back towards, you know, contention again. I just don't think that they're at a place to play incremental, Paul, because I think you have these guys that are going to rapidly start aging out. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. And he, listen, listen, people are talking about Sidney Crosby playing until he's 50. Fine, I can believe he's going to play until he's 50. I don't believe he's going to be one of the best players in hockey until he's 50, though. I don't know how many more years like the one he's having he has left. And, and to me, like it all makes sense if, if, if we're sitting here and those guys are 30. But now that they're mid-30s, like really flirting with 40, I don't know, Paul, like, should there be a conversation about blowing it up, especially if that's something that those guys are amenable to? Because I think that's probably more than anything else. Those guys all have no movement clauses. They're going to have to make the determination, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. But that's what, that was my, that was the case I made, you know, when they, when they gave these guys these last extension that they gave them. They had come through a season where Malkin played 81 games or 82 games. Crosby played 81, 82 games. Latang played 60-plus games, 65 games, something like that. All three played at a really high level, and they missed the playoffs. Like, at that point, again, here we are. You've got Crosby playing at a high level. Malkin has played every game. He's been inconsistent a little bit, but he's still Malkin. And and uh, and Latang, I think, has played pretty much every game. The only guy that they've had a little bit of injury with was Rust, and he's you know he's played a ton too. Um, the both of their goalies are among the top ten in the league, uh, the goalie combination, I mean. So one would think with that formula, boy, they must be right in the thick of the playoffs, but they're not. So you know, but the problem is you have all these bad contracts that are you can't really move, so there's not a whole lot you can do about it right now. Yeah, yeah, frustrating situation. I do think these next six games will be, like you said, determinative, and, and then the Penguins might have some decisions to make. Uh, Paul, any final thoughts on the week before we wrap up here? 
Nope. Uh, we got a long off season now without football. That's all I know. But, you know, hopefully the Pirates give us something to talk about. Yeah, and at least, I mean, free agency isn't too far away, Paul, NFL free agency. So at least we might have some moves to talk about here in the lead up to the NFL draft. Kind of just got to get through these next couple of weeks here. But listen, uh, you know, with pit basketball getting a little more interesting, hopefully we have, um, you know, something, uh, the ability to keep talking about them as, as a relevant entity. Because listen, I love hoops and I think my, you know, my year's always better when there's relevant hoops to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So let's hope that Pitt keeps winning for sure. All right, well, we will check in with you all again next week. I'll be back on Saturday with our uh, Steelers mock draft video. Of course, Christopher Carter will be back on Friday with the North Shore Drive. So make sure you're subscribed. If you enjoyed this video, please like it. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm, and we'll talk to you all again real soon. All right, we'll see you, man. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.